Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. She grew up hiking with her family in the East Bay Regional Parks. She began her extensive career in public service as a junior ranger and camp counselor in Tilden Park. She later served in the Obama administration, and more recently, former Governor Jerry Brown appointed her to a team of senior environmental advisors. Her policy work has focused on wildfire prevention and mitigation. She volunteers in the Berkeley Public Schools. She's an attorney and currently running for the East Bay Regional Parks Board. Elizabeth Eccles, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here today. Well, it's a real honor to talk to you. I, in my introduction, I just touched on some of the th- things that, you are, uh, that you've done in, in your long career in public service and didn't get to any of the uh, endorsements and some of the other important things that anyone is involved in in running for office, but I'm hoping that we can get to that as we discuss some things this afternoon. You got it. What what are you do, working on these days? What are you where do you what are you working on besides running for East Bay Regional Park right now? I serve as director of the state's public advocates office. We are an independent watchdog organization. We are situated at the Public Utilities Commission, but we are independent and I report to Governor Newsom's office. Well, this is actually the same position that Jerry Brown appointed me to back in 2016. So I have been there now going on, well, it'll be five years in early next year. And what sorts of things do you focus on in that job? So our mission is to achieve the lowest possible rates for the state's utility customers consistent with safety, reliability, and the state's environmental goals. I manage nearly 180 staff. Where are you from originally? Uh, I grew up in Berkeley. We moved here when when I was nine years old and uh, lived mostly in Berkeley since then, spent some time in Oakland as well and some time in Washington, D.C., but, but locally grown, raised in Berkeley. I went to Berkeley High School. It was great. It was it was really great. I went all the way through the Berkeley schools, uh, starting with what is now Rosa Parks. It was Columbus back then, but yeah, Rosa Parks, and then uh, King Middle School, and then Berkeley High School. And after you got out of Berkeley, where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to Yale University for college. Well, I majored in economics and political science. What did you think about being back east after having grown up in Berkeley? Well, the interesting thing is I always wanted to go back east. Maybe I wanted to get as far away as possible from my parents, or or maybe it was just perhaps it was an idea that my grandmother put in my head. She lived in Virginia, and we used to visit her in Virginia every year. Now, when you got out of Yale, you ultimately went to law school. Did you do that right away, or did you take some time off? I, I took some time off and, among other things, had a fellowship to study in Australia. So I spent some time in Australia doing graduate work in international economics, focusing particularly on the Pacific Rim 
countries. Canberra, which is the, the capital of Australia. Right, right. And when did you decide that you wanted to go to law school? Well, uh, according to my mother, it was probably in at least by junior high. <laughs> so that was part of my plan for a long time. And were you involved in like debate and theater or that sort of thing when you were in junior high? I was involved in a lot of student government. And what how my mother puts it is I was always a really good negotiator. So you've always been a politician running for office and negotiating. Yeah, I did actually. I, I ran for office the first time when I was in the ninth grade. What prompted you to, to like, you know, start thinking about really going to law school? Like, when did you think, like, okay, I'm really going to apply. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the LSAT. I'm going to go. I, I think pretty much all the way through junior high and high school, I was serious about law school pretty early on, probably junior high. So how much time went by between the between the time you graduated from college and the time you started law school? About four years. And was that whole time in Australia or did you do some other things? No, 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 no. I spent a couple years in New York and about another six months in Japan and then went to Australia after that. So, so you decided to go to law school and where did you go to law school? I went to Stanford for law school. It was great. It was, it was a beautiful spot and I felt very fortunate because it's a school where the classes are small and there there only there were only 172 students altogether in the whole graduating class for for my year and I, but I think what was really the best thing is I just had some incredible roommates and friends and that was actually the best part of law school is just the people and when you got out of Stanford what was your first legal job I went back to Washington, D.C. after graduating from Stanford and joined Steptoe and Johnson. And where's that? And what kind of work did you do there? Well, the reason why I wanted to go work in Washington, D.C., well, first of all, I had huge debts to retire, so I didn't have the option of going straight into public service. So the plan was to go and get some good experience and pay down my debts and and then move into government. And so it was actually a hard decision for me deciding whether to take a job in San Francisco or Washington, D.C., but because I was so interested in politics and the legislative process, I decided I would go to Washington, D.C. And, and in fact, I was able to to work on some pretty interesting public public international law issues in particular. At some point, you kind of came back to California, right? Yeah, I eventually come back to California. Not for a while, actually. Not for a while, because because I stayed I stayed at Steptoe until I, uh, well, when I got involved in the Bill Clinton campaign when he was first running for president. And then after he got elected, and I, and I volunteered on the transition team, and then after he got elected, I was asked to come and join the administration and then spent seven years in the Clinton administration before returning back to the Bay Area. What did you do in the Clinton administration? Well, I started out working actually initially in export control issues, but pretty quickly moved over to work in the at the time, brand new area of 
of the internet. And at that time, that was, Vice President Gore was talking about the information infrastructure, the global information infrastructure. So, so our goal was to you know, allow the the internet to grow and and deliver information and economic opportunity while making sure that there were regulations in place that would um, protect people's financial privacy, their health privacy, and our children on the internet. How are those guys to work with, Clinton and Gore? I mean, you know, I mean, you really had an up close and personal look at the administration. They they are both amazing people. Just both of them are are brilliant. President Clinton had a mind like a computer, the kinds of things that he would just process at once. Both President Clinton and Vice President Gore are absolutely brilliant people. And it was it was really incredible to spend time with both of them. I remember one time, actually I got to travel all the way from Washington, D.C. to Japan with Bill Clinton on Air Force One. And on the way back, he was in a really good mood. He was kind of hanging out and, and talking about things. And it was just incredible to see how his mind worked. Because not only was he brilliant on the policy issues and the strategy issues, but he just his mind was like a computer. The way he remembered everything about all of the different presidents and prime ministers that he'd been talking to and he you know, knew all about them and their families and their wives and all of their histories and and the way he could process things was really really extraordinary or is i should say is really extraordinary so you had mentioned that when vice president gore didn't win uh the presidency you came back to the bay area Right. Well, then I I still had this passion around the Internet and how we could use the Internet to create opportunities for people. I'd worked on issues around the digital divide, but for me, it wasn't it wasn't just getting people connected to the Internet. And so I had an opportunity to take over a nonprofit organization in San Francisco called OpNet Community Ventures. And we trained low-income people, uh, low-income young adults, on Internet web design and web programming and helped them get really great jobs in the in the Internet industry. You've run for office, correct? I can get you up to the part of where I ran for office. So... So I, from from my work at OpNet, I eventually took a position with with Google because at the time uh, Google was still in its younger years, and I was attracted by its vision to take all of the world's information and organize it and make it accessible to everyone. And so I went to work for Google for a period of time, and then it was actually when. Al Gore was beginning his 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 uh, well, I guess you could call it his tour with his PowerPoint on what later became the movie, The Inconvenient Truth. Um, he came to Google to present his PowerPoint on climate change, and I listened to what he had to say and all of the data around what he was talking about, and that's when I said, "Oh my goodness." That's what I need to be spending my time and talents on is this climate change crisis. Shortly after that, I, I left Google and and found a position at the U.S. Green Building Council and was director 
of the U.S. Green Building Council for Northern California. I was running the Oakland United Democratic campaign, and this was when when President Obama was 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 running, and there was this huge excitement. I mean, we had like businessmen and homeless people literally working together on this on this coordinated. Democratic campaign. And I'll never forget, I was, it was about 10 days before the election. And I was sitting, actually sitting at my dining room table and sort of mapping out some strategies for our coordinated campaign. And the phone rings and I pick it up and someone who I never met before, he said, Oh, is this Elizabeth Eccles? I said, Yeah. Um, and he's like, Well, should, should Senator Obama win on election day, would you be willing to come to Washington and work on his transition? And so then we, you know, I had a conversation about it. And then I, I, you know, I think I was still sort of surprised because then at the end of the conversation, I was like, okay, well, let me, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And it just, it just so happened that I was meeting with, I guess, then Assemblywoman Lonnie Hancock later that day. And I told her that story and she's like, Elizabeth, are you kidding me? You need to get home and call him back right away. And I did. And so I had the opportunity to go to D.C. and be a member of the Obama-Biden transition team. Where did you work out of there? I was based in San Francisco. So did you work for Obama for his full eight years that he was there? No, because here is when I I left to to run for the assembly. What prompted you to to leave the Obama administration and run for office? I, I had been interested in serving in elected capacity and was really looking for the right opportunity. And this seemed to be the right opportunity because the issues that I wanted to address, like educational opportunity and economic opportunity and protecting our environment and climate change, those were issues that seemed best addressed at the state level. And so I, I already had that in my mind. So how did that go? So it, it went it went well. It went well for the, for most of the campaign until the very end. But it it went well. I you know I'd never run for office before, and I put a whole wonderful campaign together. Got to know just so many so many partners from the community, from labor, from a whole range of of stakeholders that that joined together to support my campaign. It was a really incredible coalition and it was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to people, learning from people. I even, I even enjoyed fundraising for a while. It was kind of, I just, I just thought of it as just kind of fun, you know, call, call my friends, call people I didn't know very well. And then we had to unfortunately do this, this top two and, and this was the first time, at least for our assembly district, that anyone had to do the top two. And that was that was really hard because I, I like Tony. I respect Tony. And it's just hard running against someone who who you like and, and who really isn't that different from you on the issues. So it was a very strange experience, you know, not having a, a dem on general election. And I did in the end. I lost. And that was, you know, that was hard. But life goes on. So what have you been doing since then? So after that, I had the wonderful opportunity to work um, for Governor Brown as um, 
director of what is now the Public Advocate's Office, and then stayed on in that role under Governor Newsom. Then in January of this year, I was appointed director of the East Bay Regional Park District Board for Ward 1 to fill the remaining term after Director Whitney Dotson had retired. That is what's been keeping me busy. Right now, you are already an East Bay Regional Park Director. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, I was appointed in January. And who actually made that appointment? How do you get that appointment? Well, when Director... Whitney Dotson decided to retire. The The board opened up a process and put out the word that they were looking for people to apply. And I believe about 16 people applied originally, and then they narrowed the group down to eight for interviews, and then they narrowed it down again for four to have interviews at a, at a special board meeting. So this was an interesting process where you're actually, it's almost like a job interview, but you've got like a whole, you've got the board interviewing there and then you've got like a whole room of people, like a hundred people watching the interview. So, so, so yeah, so that's, that's what happened. There were four finalists, including me, the board asked their questions and we answered our questions and their questions and then the board voted, and they voted unanimously to appoint me as the next director for Ward One. I mean, well, let me let me just just comment here that I I've you know we've talked before going on the podcast, and I've just told you how pleased I am that you are involved with the East Bay Regional Parks because I know how caring you are and how competent you are, and how much I care about the East Bay Regional Parks because. I really think that they're one of the great jewels of living in the East Bay. Uh, so I, I, so I, I'm happy personally that you're there, and I, I do hope that you get reelected. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. That's very kind, and I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it, we're so, we're so lucky. It's, uh, we have over 125,000 acres of parkland here in the East Bay that's managed by the East Bay Regional Park District Board. This is the largest regional park system in the entire country. And it's beautiful. As you said, it's beautiful. And and I want to make it even bigger and even more beautiful. You know, I think it's important when we get the opportunity to to acquire more land because if we don't acquire it, it will be developed and, and lost forever. So I want to continue to acquire land, but then also make the parks more accessible for everyone in our community. And the regional parks also have a lot of access to the bay. There's a lot of beaches and water areas too. Yes. Yes. 55 miles of shoreline along the bay. So yes, it's it's fantastic. And one of the, one of the things that I'm really proud about this past summer, we were able to open up the Albany beach and new trail that the new trail connects a one or actually I should say the the trail closes a one mile gap between Berkeley and Albany so that now you can walk all the way from Oakland to Richmond or ride your bike or run all the way from from Oakland to Richmond that you're talking about that path that's behind the racetrack Exactly. Yeah. It's a beautiful, I don't know if you've gone on it. Oh, I've been there. It's beautiful. It really came out 
nicely. It really did. Really just, it was just a great piece of construction. The views are incredible. Well, it's obvious that you really enjoy public service and that you've worked in government pretty much your whole life. I'm wondering if you would recommend it to a young person as a career choice. Well, I would. I would. I think, you know, for me, it's important to find your passion. And if you're lucky enough to have a job that you enjoy, that is that is the best thing ever. Do you have a 30-second elevator speech for this job? It may be a little bit more than 30 seconds. Uh, I don't know. I've always, I've always heard politicians have an elevator speech. So, Yeah, but more than this is a one-minute ride. One Can minute. I give you my one-minute ride? Dear representative on the East Bay Regional Park District Board, I listen to the needs of our communities. I'm deeply committed to preserving the natural and cultural heritage of our parks and providing open space, trails, and recreational opportunities for our diverse community. My commitment to our parks dates back to childhood when I served as a junior ranger. Since that time, I've dedicated my life to public service with leadership positions in environmental policy, parks, and recreation. From serving in the Obama administration to implementing environmental policies as head of our state's public advocate's office, I have the experience to be an effective steward for our parks and ensure that the park district is working for you. I'm proud to be endorsed by prominent community leaders like Congressman Mark DeSalne, State Superintendent Tony Thurman, State Senator Nancy Skinner, and all of my colleagues on the East Bay Parks Board. Please visit elizabethforparks.org to learn more. I'd be honored to have your vote. Thank you. Yeah, that came in right at about 50 seconds. Was there any anything in particular that you would change about the way the park system works? And you touched on this a little bit earlier, but do you, do you think that in doing so, it it meets the needs of the community? Well, I think I think that there's more that we need to do to create access for our underserved communities. A lot of our parks are further away from from the inner city. And so it's harder for folks to get there, especially if they don't have their own transportation. So some of the things that I'm interested in seeing is, well, first of all, to expand parkland that is in close proximity to underserved communities. And in particular, there's opportunities to continue to convert industrial land to parkland, especially along the North Richmond shoreline, also to increase summer and year-round opportunities for youth. You've talked a lot about recreation as kind of a community thing. How about yourself? What about you and your family, and what sort of recreational pursuits do you yourself like? Well, my husband and I met on a hike in Tilden, so (laughs) that's that's where we got our start. And I, I love walking with my daughter in the park. What what kind of things keep you up at night? What keep what do you, what do you worry about? Oh boy, a lot right now. <laughs> well, I I worry I I worry about my daughter. I worry about my daughter. You know, being able to to learn what she needs to learn. I think the you know Berkeley schools are excellent and they're doing a fabulous job with this distance learning. But it's still it's still very hard. You know, she's. She's six years old. She's an extremely social, exuberant little girl. And it's it's just, you know, to have her locked up in the house with mom and dad, it's just, it's hard. It's really hard. Let's say that you came into some real money, a couple of billion dollars. What, if anything, would you do different in your life? 
A couple of billion dollars? Yeah, a couple of billion. I mean, you know, three, four billion dollars, real money. Well, if I had a few billion dollars, first of all, then I could buy the parkland that, that I would like to buy. <laughs> I'd go out and buy Point Malate right now. <laughs> we wouldn't have to fight about, fight about it. We could just go buy it and give it to the park district to run. But, and city of Richmond could could have its money so that would be that would be great but no on a broader scale I I think I would put some type of foundation or nonprofit together that that really brought some experts together to 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 figure out how do we solve you know how do we solve some of the the deepest challenges that we face let's say you had a magic wand and there was one thing in the world that you could change in the park world, in the world of Washington, D.C., in just society in general, and, and anything, the legal system. I mean, you know, you've had a lot of experience. What what one thing would you like to wave your magic wand at and change things? Well, I think I would make our elected representatives look like the people they represent. So they would be, what, 55% women and a whole range of races and ethnicities and sexual orientation and everything else. So I, you know, that's what, that's what I would do because I think if you did that and if you did that globally, that we would have a really different world. What's, what's one thing you wish you, you had known before you got into all of this? I'm trying to think of what it is. It has something to do with, with, well, I, I don't think this is something you have to know in advance. But I think it is something that you learn as a candidate. It, it, it is surprising who who your real friends are. You know, I think that's one thing about running for office. It, it is you, know, you do see like who are the people who who really are your friends and loyal to you and are going to stick by you, and who are the people who are just you know want to be involved because it may help them. So I think that's maybe one thing I've learned. Yeah. You know, I mean, I ran for office, you know, well, 10 years ago and it, it was, I mean, for me, it was just a really, it was a really different and I don't know, it was just kind of a crazy experience for me really, you know, and, and I couldn't believe some of the people who really came out and helped me. And I couldn't believe some of the people who kind of really didn't come out and help me. It's, exactly. It's surprising. It's not the same. It's not necessarily how you had originally categorized them in your mind. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. You definitely find out who who your true friends are, but also who your true who the who the people are who really do what they say they're going to do. You know, who are the people you can rely on to be there for you? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. Elizabeth Eccles, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon on Love Thy Lawyer. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Well, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun, and thank you for taking the time to talk with me this afternoon. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. Many thanks to my guests who have contributed their time and wisdom and make this show possible. Thanks, as always, to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman.
that's why I just kind of skip over it because I, and no one has ever asked me except for you. So you're good. You're a good journalist, but yeah, I don't. Right, yeah, we'll, we'll anyway. leave this up. <laughs>